for an hour of news, information and discussion. Tuning in to me, Dan Hawkes, um, and I'm joined by Christy Ellis, who's our uh, my co-presenter today. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. You've been a bit busy this week, haven't you? I have indeed. Yes. Yeah. So I've been at the um, the Wearable Tech Show this week, um, interviewing a few people, and we've got some pre-records coming up. But um, we're not joined by Steve this week because he's on holiday. I know. Where's he gone? Um, do you know? I, don't, I, th- oh, I think it's Morocco. Mexico. No, Morocco. Well, Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's Mur somewhere, <laughs> and he's probably asleep. Or drunk and asleep, or just asleep. No, I bet he's tuning in. He, he probably is. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Steve. <laughs> Hope you are listening, Steve. <laughs> um, so, also joining us in the stu- um, in the studio is Richard Stevens from Opto Products. Oh, sorry. Here you go. There you go. Hi there. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> As you can see, I'm in control of the um, the buttons <laughs> today, so that's that's all good news for everyone, isn't it? Um, so um, we've. But first, we've got a little bit of news. We usually have a news segment about now, don't we? So we do, and I've scoured the internet. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, Facebook have released its first VR app this week. Um, it's a dedicated app for a virtual reality headset, which is quite fitting for uh, our in-studio guest, wouldn't is, you say? That is true, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's designed as a content hub for the 25 million 360-degree photos mm-hmm. and over 1 million 360-degree videos currently hosted on Facebook. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that's quite cool, isn't it? That should be quite interesting. Do you think people are going to get involved with that? Really? I mean... I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I will or not. Yeah. What, what do you think? Of, you're on Facebook, aren't you? Yes, yeah. What do you think about it when you're, you're seeing those, those images that you've got to kind of scroll around and the videos yeah. and stuff? Did you ever watch Stranger Things or anything like yes, that? Yes, I did. There was a really good uh, VR um, kind of promo thing for it that I saw. So oh, maybe okay. for things like that, maybe... More bits like that will come yeah, through. A bit immersive, yeah. As the technology like, yeah. sort of develops a little yeah. bit more. Or as more people can get useful um, headsets and things, I would say. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll come on to. So the, um, the other bit of news that I had um, is that um, we've just recently had the spring budget. And um, there's been an, um, the government has announced um, they're going to be promoting and investing in 5G um, research and full fiber as part of its um, investment into 5G fiber broadband, robots, batteries, and, and all sorts to get um, funding boosts. So, um, uh, where are we? The, um, the, there's a, a national 5G innovation network which received um, up to 16 million in state funds and will work with research institutions uh, to start state trials and speed up development technology. So, is it just quicker than, fi- than 4G? Yeah. <laughs> is that in a nutshell? Yeah. What, what do you need to know? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so when's that going to come? Um, well, it, it's, it's, um, it's an investment fund at the moment to sort of keep, get it moving along. But there's also an additional $270 million for new technologies, such as robotics, batteries, and self-driving cars. Um, but they've been a bit. Um, the government has been criticised for all distinct lack of support of green energy. And, um, in fact, business tax on rooftop solar panels were, was increased by 800%. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it seems a little bit, you know, what, what's quite interesting is that, that um, those business, um, th- those uh, rooftop solar panels are quite often put on um, schools and where um, state schools will 
um, have to pay tax, but private schools are exempt from tax. Can you still sell back energy to the grid with those, or did they stop all of that? Because I know that was what everyone was getting it for in the first place. I think they stopped, they stopped the rebate, and they all but cut it heavily. Yeah. Uh, well, not making enough money out of it or something. Possibly something. Like <laughs> okay, so um, should we uh, move on to um, speak to our guest? Um, so hello again, Richard. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, Opto Products, um, you have one of your, uh, and it's, it, we can't really hide that it's a, it looks like a VR headset, so it probably is a VR headset. Can you um, tell us a bit about it and how you came to develop a headset? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I do have one of the Opto Airs here, which is the product we just launched at uh, Mobile World Congress last week. Um, so the Opto Air is is uh, really an entry level uh, VR headset, and what what we're the way we're sort of approaching it is that um, we're trying to make VR more appro- more you know um, much easier for anyone else who's just looking at VR, thinking you know as that as a something they'd like to get into um we're trying to make it very approachable and easy to to get into that um so opto basically has um uh it uses your smartphone um so all you actually need tech wise you probably already have because you have Mm. your your smartphone in your pocket um so you plug that into to the front panel um and then you can uh, download apps video content, games, different things, um, which you can consume then by using that. So it has built-in optics and sound and everything else that you need to, to experience VR. So all you really need is, is your smartphone and you're, you're ready to go. Okay, so, so I've seen, I've seen the, the, the Google sort of cardboard, you know, which is you know, just basically cardboard sort of um, thing you can sort of press out and push together. And that doesn't have sound or anything included in it and it just has quite rudimentary sort of lenses. This is a bit more refined than that. Yeah, you, I mean, you've touched on a couple of very important points. Um, firstly, I mean, it is uh, cardboard is great as a sort of viewer. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a nice, easy way to just experience uh, 360 content that you can look all the way around. Um, but you can't wear it. It's not really sort of fully immersive VR in the sense that you, you don't put it on. Um, and the sound's not there. So sound is actually a very, very important part of uh, the VR experience. Um, and when you're immersed in an environment and you have the sound and the visuals as well, um, that really does make a massive difference. Mm. Another thing is that uh, the optics you mentioned, um, we've actually spent quite a bit of time and money on developing uh, some very nice uh, optical lenses. And the reason that's very important is because you'll hear, quite often hear uh, when comparing the specifications of headsets, uh, they talk about field of view. And the field of view is actually quite important because the Google Cardboard, for example, you were talking about has quite small lenses, so you have a very narrow field of view. So it's not as an immersive experience, whereas if you have quite a wide field mm. of view, you actually feel more like you're there. Yeah, that's more natural to your natural sort of field of vision. Exactly. Understand that. And, and um, uh, although it's you know, radio, we, you know, we can describe what the headset looks like, but we took a Twitter post picture earlier, our uh, social manager. Um, it's probably Harry. on there already, yeah, I you imagine. See, you can see me sporting it. Um, I didn't hold my stomach in at the time, though. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> Can I have a look at it, yeah. please? But um, what I was really taking is, is how light it is. Yes, I was just about to say yeah. the same thing. And that might be why it's called air. <laughs> well, <laughs> if it wasn't, that's why you should have. <laughs> Darn, we didn't think of that. Thank you. Um, so, so the reason we called it the Opto Air is because it is supposed to be a, a, a lightweight um, you know, alternative to, to some of the headsets out there. But also, um, it's... You know, because it's made of this lightweight foam, um, it actually makes it more like a wearable, more comfortable to wear. 
Um, so it, it's uh, it doesn't feel like you're putting basically a, a sort of almost like a ski mask with some plastic <laughs> sort of plastic holder on your yeah. face. Um, so this the the foam is is quite an important part of the uh, of the product and yeah. easy to clean. Yeah. So so exactly. I mean, one of the things about the uh, the, the material that we've used is it's a closed cell foam, so it can be wiped clean very very easily, um, which might sound you know fairly obvious, but actually. All of the other VR headsets on the market today use an open cell phone, which is very similar, as I said, to sort of a, a ski goggle, um, which means it's porous and anything that's on your on your face, whether that just be sweat, sweat or makeup or whatever, could be anything worse, is transferred to the next person who, who wears it. So it's nice that you're able to just wipe it clean, actually, with a, um, and not worry about uh, that. Um, and that's more relevant, I think, because you know we're um, we're selling this as a consumer product, but increasingly we're we're finding as as some of the other VR headsets that are out there in the market are doing the same thing, like Samsung, um, where they're using them for public use. And so our headsets are going to be used a lot in in public use. So by uh, using a material that can be cleaned easily, we're reducing some of the health risks associated with with VR in public use. Yes. So what made you decide to? develop this product in the first place i mean there are you've, you've touched on it already there are you know other vr headsets out there and you know people are doing doing them all the time mm-hmm. so was it just that you saw a gap in the market for something that was m- much better and you thought hold on i can do that <laughs> um so i mean i think what we were trying to achieve is uh, is is making um vr something that other you know anyone at any age any age really can get into um, so we're trying to. Uh, I think that the the market's been a bit hijacked by by the gamers and and the mm. gaming world. And you know, I play games. I'm you know, I'm into that too. But uh, there's so much more um, that VR has to offer for people. So I think what we're trying to do is is pro- provide a product that hopefully looks a bit better um, in terms of its design and its uh, and its look and its feel. Um, but also it'd be something that you know you you kind of is it's not something you'd keep sort of in a in a man cave but something you might wouldn't <laughs> mind if it's uh, on your uh, living room table because it looks it looks quite nice and so we're being a bit more colorful a bit more playful with the with the design um so that's why that was kind of where we saw the the need to revitalize re- VR a little bit and and approach it from a slightly different perspective uh, mm. to capture more of the market yeah you're right it, it, as you were saying that, it just made me think that um, a lot of the time when we've actually been reporting on VR headsets or, or, or new things coming through, so the, 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 like the Sony VR and, and, and the Oculus Rift headsets and things like that, they, they do all, are all very game-orientated. They're all black. Black, and, yeah. And, yes. you know, there's a, there's a, there's a yeah. theme there. And yeah. I think it's quite, a, it's quite gender-centric. Mm. Yeah, um, so, so we're trying to be you know, uh, a bit more approachable. Uh, in our design and in our outlook, um, so that's that's sort of the reason for that. I mean, I think you know what we're doing with the Opto Air is that most people, there's a lot of people who are interested in VR and they mm. think like, what is this new thing? Should I get it? Should I get involved? Um, so we're trying to provide a way that they can do that very easily. Um, you know, to go out and buy an Oculus or um, a, a PlayStation Vi- or, or a Vive or one of the others high-powered headsets, it's going to set you back, you know, five to eight hundred pounds in terms of the headset, and then you've got to buy a powerful PC, mm. which is another fifteen hundred pounds. So most people not going to do that on a whim of is VR even anything interesting for me? So this is this is a way you say, okay, I can get an experience which is. Uh, will give me an, an optical experience and a sound experience which is still high quality but it's only going to cost me 100 quid and it's something I can then 
see if VR is for me or not mm. um, and, and, and get into it that way. I mean, it certainly looks, it, it is, a, you know, um, looking at it and, 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 and feeling it, it's a very usable product. It's nice and easy to throw on the head. We've said mm. it's light. Uh, and, and, the, um, and there isn't any wires, so like those high-end, you know, um, headsets all pretty much still wired to the, to the computer. And um, you, you do just pop, pop your smartphone into the, into the front section, which clips on magnetically. And, and you, before that, you'll, you plug in your headphone, in, uh, the, the headphones into the headphone jack. And so it all just sits on quite nice. It's very sort of, um, uh, you know, accessible for people. It yeah. doesn't look like it's going to break either. No. It looks really wear, like hard-wearing and you'd yeah. be happy just to... To try it, yeah. it's quite tactile, isn't it? I, I think. If, I think if I was going, you know, because I've um, have spoken to people that are using sort of VR for um, for things like uh, at um, architects and things like that to go through sort of design building designs and things like that, just to to have a good idea of them in, in what the space will be like. And if you were going to sort of one of these places and and they had these VR headsets, I'd be happy to see one of those really that I know that could be cleaned at least. How happy? Yeah. Oh, about uh, <laughs> uh, seven, seven and a half. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a, so, so yeah, so we, and I presume actually because it's magnetic. If you had, if you know, if you had two people had a headset, you'd just be able to swap your. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the mm. fun, fun. If you check our website and have a look at our video, we we had a lot of play, a lot of fun playing around with that actually, and, and getting people to do that and literally s exchange uh, front panels and and and, and exchange content. Um, and and you know, we're quite interested in the multiplayer uh, or, or multi-person kind of multi-user experience as well for VR. So we're doing quite a lot of work with other developers, people who are making content to make sure that, you know, people can explore um, VR content, not just on their own, but uh, as groups or you know, mm. in twos or threes or fours, whether that just be consuming the same content or having some kind of interaction. So there are lots of options for making it quite collaborative as well, I think. Mm. So um, you were saying that you were at the uh, Mobile World Congress. You've just got back, haven't you? Yes. yes. So what were you up to there? So we did two things. Uh, we launched Opto Air. Uh, if that wasn't enough, um, <laughs> uh, we decided a few months ago. We've been working on a on a project for some time now. Um, as I mentioned, so uh, this is a consumer product, but we do work in the business to business space as well. So we are doing things with public facing VR, and whether that be museums or theme parks or uh, other other areas where where VR could be consumed by the public. Um, but the one big area we've been working on is healthcare, and so we do actually have um, a slightly um, slightly more high-powered Opto in the works. So for those people who've bought one and then later decided that they, they, they're ready to make the plunge and to get in something which can give them a slightly higher-powered experience, um, we're working on a, on a product which we plan to launch next year. Um, and we've been trialing that product in some business scenarios as well, so not just as a consumer product. And one of those is a, is a use case for healthcare. And, and earlier in the, uh, the show, you mentioned about 5G. Mm. Well, actually, this is an application for 5G. So we partnered with Ericsson, um, and they, um, we've been working on uh, a remote healthcare application. So you're able, if you imagine if you're a, a doctor or a surgeon working in a remote location, you're able to connect with a robotic uh, operating room mm. where the patient will be will be placed um, and be able to basically do a procedure remotely using a, a haptic glove to wow. control the robot and having an opto uh, headset on to be able to be your eyes so you have your eyes and your hands 
Um, what's very interesting about the the presentation that we did at Mobile World Congress with Ericsson, which we had on display there, is we were showing how this would work and people could actually try it. They could put the headset on, see wow. the patient. So we had two rooms with a screen and you could you could go in one and see um, what was happening in the other screen. So you could see the robot, control the robot and perform the surgery of not on a real person, but uh, <laughs> we had a we had a we had a, 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 a pretend uh, sort of uh, bust there, a torso yeah. with a liver in that you could actually feel around and see if you could find the tumor. Wow, that is just absolutely That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, incredible is a yeah. really good word for it. It just sounds like something out of a sci-fi film. Yeah, have, have, or am yeah. I old? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing, oh. isn't it? <laughs> that is incredible. So, so. Also, you know, aside from sort of have, being able to have um, surgeons be able to do the um, operation remotely, presumably there's a great um, application there for training as well for student doctors and surgeons. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, so one of the things that we did for um, this, uh, this particular project was, as well as providing the hardware, we also did some work in terms of providing a live stitching software. So um, the camera rig that we set up was a custom rig it's basically six cameras which uh, which take the six different images, stitch them together into a 360 sphere and pipe that in real time. So the idea of why that would be interesting for 5G is you mm. need a lot of bandwidth yeah. and you certainly don't want to have any delays <laughs> <laughs> no. in, a, in a remote surgical application. <laughs> yeah. um, so so, so the, the, the 5G plays quite an important role in terms of being able to provide, it, wouldn't, it would only be possible... Um, with that, uh, with that kind of technology, mm. there. So, um, so yeah. So it's an interesting, uh, an interesting space, which uh, and I think an interesting application for for five G. Yeah, more than interesting, I'd yeah, say. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, where do you see? Um, I mean, that, that's a really good example of, of, of where VR could be going next. Is is you know w w what more do you think we can? Because we seem like we're just just on the edge of you know we still got you know the separation between you know AR, VR, and mixed reality. You know, where do you think it? Where, where do you think we can go? Um, well, I mean, obviously, I think we are still, we're the pioneers in this. We're one of the pioneers in this in this space because we're working with things now which are still, still we're just on the cusp of, you know, we're not quite there yet, but we're almost, you know, we, the technology's there. I think it's also finding the uh, the human acceptance for a lot of the technology a lot of the mm. time and, and getting also all the, uh, the uh, sort of red tape out the way. Um, so, I mean, where it goes next from here, I think you can imagine um, VR being used and having 360 interactive content. So if we talk about just in the entertainment world, so we're working on at the moment um, some some content too. So we, mm. we're also dabbling in, in the world of, of, of VR content. Uh, so we can produce our own Opto app and provide uh, content for our, for our users. And one of the things we're doing is developing a, a, a 360 uh, comedy series. So a series of uh, episodes where you where you where you actually because one of the things now about uh, VR content is that a lot of it is very much uh, experience based. So you jump in, you have an experience, you jump out, that's it, which is okay. But I mean, the reason people invest in in series on Netflix and things like that is because there's a story, there's depth, there's characters, there's something yeah. there that hooks you in, and, and there's a cliffhanger, right? So we're trying to create some VR content 360 content that has that kind of feel where you actually in a room with people every week you get to know the characters and you kind of have a a, a sort of semi-active role in in that so imagine movies where you might not just watch the same movie 
once. So you might watch you might watch a movie and have a season pass and watch the same movie for months and every time have a different outcome. Mm. So there's a lot of different wow. things to think about with the entertainment world and how that might change. So I think 360 video content is just at the beginning and fast forward a few years from now and I think the industry um, is going to completely change. And the thing is that it's not only changing from a point of view of um, you know, having to rethink, basically rethink everything you know about filming. Because I've done, you know, uh, workshops with uh, three with uh, film producers who are very experienced in 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 the world of two D mono film, but they don't uh, necessarily understand how to d- make that work in three sixty. Mm. Because when you when you have you have no way to hide behind the lens, and you have to take all your crew out of the room, and how does that work? You know, so if you've got a camera in the middle of the room capturing everything, of course nothing's hidden. So there's a there's a lot of new challenges with it, and it's a very very interesting space. That's incredible. So, yeah, um, so where can people find out about Opto and, and possible purchases? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. Um, <laughs> so you can go to visit our website, which is optovr.com. Uh, and you can uh, pre-order there. They're shipping in six weeks from now. That's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, we've got a bit of this now. When it happens. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this is our unboxing segment. It um, is, and I'm I'm yep. stepping into the unboxing yep. seat. You have the pleasure. Over. So um, Harry has found us a product on um, somewhere um, that we don't know what it is, um, and so we'll be well. Christy will be unboxing it, and we <laughs> have to decide whether it rocks or goes back in the box. Yes. So. Um, oh, and can I just say, sorry, on, it's, it's on Periscope, and you can follow us by get, clicking on the um, at Tech Talk Show UK. Thank you, Harry. Thank you. So have have got? you got a good angle? I've got a good angle, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've just opened it up. It's in some cellophane packaging. And when I say it, it looks like an item of clothing, which I won't be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just going to open it up. I think this might have been uh, purchased with Dan in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be a little uh, bit offended. Might be a double so, XL. Oh. I don't know what they think of you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Sorry, let's have a look. I'll look at the instructions. So, so is there any is there any um, is there any packaging to speak of? Yes, there's some cellophane. Some cellophane. This is good. Okay. Um, okay. And in the cellophane is a black item of clothing that looks like a t-shirt. Okay. And some batteries, I think. Um, so it's uh, the instructions are a bit of paper. Okay. <laughs> it looks like Harry made them himself. <laughs> and cut them out with his scissors. Bit of a blue Peter moment there Photo for Harry. Photocopied 45 times first. Um, it looks like a guitar t-shirt. Oh, how exciting. Um, so let's just open this out. Um, I can assure you the instructions oh. are straight from the uh, manual. The instructions? So straight from the packaging. Uh, so yeah. You didn't okay. make them no, yourself. I didn't make them you up. Okay, okay so we've got a... A guitar T-shirt. <laughs> okay, let's have a look. There we go. Oh, that looks... No, you've got to try that. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it without uh, getting uh, in a bit of a tangle with the... Um... You can pop your headphones off. Oh, yeah, okay. It's good. It's <laughs> nice of me, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. It's a bit tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Really, really, Harry. Uh, it's a bit embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I guess that you just play the guitar on it. 
Did you see that it said to put the batteries in before you put it on? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there are batteries in there already. Oh, we, uh, are there? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it should be in like the, the hip area. So, so um, for any people that can't the battery see, battery um, I'm wearing a lovely t-shirt. Um, yes, El- Christy's put on this um, uh, a black t-shirt, and it has a guitar graphic on it, and some flames and Ooh. and things like that. Here's there's the, a um, there's some sort of controller there. Volume. There's an on button. Yeah, it's quite a big black um, <laughs> box that seems to be attached to a t-shirt. It's hardly it's discreet. It's quite heavy isn't it? as well. Yeah. Um, um, and. Uh, and it's and so there seems to be some sort of um, something for the guitar neck. It seems like it's a some sort of plastic. Put that there. Um, um. So <laughs> yeah, if you listen to the, in, or watch okay. the instructions, um, I think what you're supposed to do is put these in is, somewhere. Yeah, they're magnets. They're like your plucks, basically. So you have to like, do one at the bottom and then. Pluck it as oh, if you're okay. A okay. So, so Chris has got two. So, sw- when would you wear this T-shirt? Because I certainly wouldn't ever. When you're on your own, I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um, so, no- normally we let um, let guests have a go as well, but I'm thinking it's probably something that Christy needs to do. Oh, whoa, <laughs> lady, you rock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is possibly one of the strangest things I've seen. <laughs> Can so, I, so, uh, so, so, Christy's got a, um, a magnet in each of her hands, oh, and by fun. and by pushing it in different places on the on the uh, I might just guitar turn the graphic, down yeah. a little bit. Dan, why don't, why don't you have a go as well? <laughs> oh, I'll happily have a go. Do you want me to say I don't on? think we'll both fit in it. <laughs> I'm struggling a little bit, to be honest. Oh, it's so. J- okay. No, no, I think this is brilliant. I can't this is turn absolute. it down. Yeah, so so what we're saying is controls are a little bit um Well, I think shaky, it's the panic, right? the sheer panic, actually, that's making me... Uh, and I can't, un- I can't understand why you're feeling panic. Mortified is probably a better word. Um, Richard, do you have any thoughts <laughs> at all? Um, <laughs> I'm <this>. shocked. <laughs> this is one of the strangest <laughs> things I've ever been involved in. <laughs> Could so you not have got I'm something else? I'm waiting for Dan to have this. Use that, this was not my fault. I was just to say... So when would you use this? Yeah, I'm trying to think. When so I would you, um, <laughs> like, yeah, um, we, you wouldn't even give it to a child, really, would you? Because um, it would just it'd be noisy and annoying. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. So, um, Entertainment. You actually, are you actually Don't meant you need to sellotape the magnets to your fingers or something? Oh, like, that's, have you noticed that's the only noise I can make with it? What am I supposed to do with this one, Harry? Is it supposed to... Um, it says something about here. You, 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 I think you've got to keep the... Um, the magnet there and then just with the other magnet make different sounds right keep one <laughs> magnet at, at the bottom at this section can you tell really the, man, with that noise? the man who's o- usually <laughs> only communicates in 120 characters this is why I don't know what else it does to seem to only make the same yeah. sound doesn't yeah. it I think it's probably me I'm going to just turn it off yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> so so uh, wow. Okay. Uh, maybe so afterwards you can have a go, Dan. That that would be great. Um, so should we have a should we have a guess about um, at what what people might pay for something <laughs> like this? <laughs> Christy, have you got an idea how much how much would you pay for the for the? Um, well, I've bought a few things similar. <laughs> um, never. <laughs> um, Harpsichord <so> tights. <laughs> you could get some other instruments, couldn't you? Yeah, maybe you drums. Could. Yeah. Um, or. Uh, violin violin okay a bow tie potentially <laughs> um uh, i think that i'd probably pay 
Uh, here's a novelty item. £20? You... If I was going to buy it. Okay. I would well, imagine it was okay. like this. Richard, can I... What would you What would you think that this might be worth? <laughs> Ooh, um... It's a quality item. If it makes more than one sound, which has to be determined, I yeah. think, at this point. <laughs> um, maybe £25. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So, okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to go £15. Ooh. Okay. Je, um, Harry, do you have yeah, a... Can I just say, we're getting a lot of comments for you to uh, wear the top down. A lot of people want to see you rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> rock out or bulge out. I'm not... <laughs> Um, no, so with you, I think you said £25, didn't you, Richard? Yes. Um, you're the closest. It is £24. Oh, oh well So, done. yeah, it's available from Amazon from a seller called 5600K. And they oh, go okay. sizes medium Catchy. to XXL. Well, maybe we could, it might, um, maybe we could um, do it a bit later. Put it on Periscope <laughs> later, Harry. What do you think? It's a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? Are you yeah, going to yeah. Periscope it still? Yeah. Okay, so um, normally we uh, ask the question, is it, um, does that rock or go back in the box? Um, Richard, where would you go? Would you, do you think it does it rock or go back in the box? Well, it, it seems to rock, <laughs> but I don't know whether it rocks. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it goes back in the box for yeah. me. Yeah, Christine. Well, what do you think? Mm, I, so you want to keep it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Harry, what would yeah, I think it's got to go back in the box. Yeah. Isn't it? I, Why, Harry? Say. Why are you saying that? I'm not a fan of guitars. Never all that noise that it makes. Too many strings. Never trusted them. No, definitely back in the box. Yeah, back in the box for me. Okay, so thank you, everyone. That's brilliant. Okay, so now we've got some pre-records from the from the wearable tech show. We've got coming up. We've got Dr. Ellen Davis from Aparito. We've got um, Lee Garland from uh, Studio Zero Digital and Richard Harvey from Hamamatsu. So um, let's have a quick listen to that. Hi there, I'm Sue Nelson and um, I'm on the Tech Talk show and I'm with Dan Hawks. Hello, Dan. Hi, Sue. Um, Wearable Technology Show 2017 at Excel. We're seeing some incredible stuff. And, And I think for me, Dan, some of the things that are really interesting is people are not going to use their fingers on touch screen technology anymore are they it doesn't look like it no i think people are really going to move beyond the um the sort of fitbit and things like that into usually controlling some of their um some of their technology by their fingers and by their minds by their minds i mean we're seeing stuff this is scale electrics thing over there I can never say that where people are trying to put it around the track using their mind yep i think um harry our social media manager put something up on um twitter earlier so yeah I, i'm surprised brad was able to manage it but he did it so that's brilliant um but that's that's the way things are going they're trying to make technology less obtrusive and more an extension of your body is what i'm thinking yeah i think so and i think you know uh, people after a while get fed up with just jabbing the same screen to do different things and i think being able to control with different parts of your body or even your mind is is really the key where it should go and wearables, the sort of glasses stuff and all that, that so we're yes. seeing a lot here. Um, we're just um, joined by Dr. Ellen Have Davis. I'm just going to call you Ellen if that's okay. Um, and um, obviously, very very clever person that we've got here. Um, you're you're very much part of the, the sort of health, the sort of digital health technology big section here. Um, it does seem to me that that. Um, what people are trying to do is make patients sit at the centre of, of all this, try and work out how we can help them and then work our way backwards about how we can do that rather than pushing healthcare solutions at them. Am, am I, and that's a, obviously a gross generalisation, but have I got that right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very clinical by background, so I'm very much seeing this, that it has to be a tech-enabled uh, way forward.
forward and for patients that you know very often are struggling to live day-to-day life the last thing they need is another burden of tech pushed upon them that's not uh, in line with what they uh, want as, as a way of communicating their health data and so in all the studies that we've done in all the disease groups that we've collaborated with it's been essential that we've understood what the patients require what's important to them and then we make the tech suit that not the other way around not allowing the techies to get very excited about all sort of possibilities and then you take it to the patients and they look at you with horror faces going what do you think I'm going to do with that is, is that because that's a bit of a generational issue? So we've got some incredible, clever young minds who, who've been brought up with this technology and, and understand it you know, intuitively and implicitly. But of course, if you're in your 70s, say, or your 80s, and, and you haven't been brought up in that world, there's a real generational disconnect there about how they can use technology, and, and it just doesn't make any sense to them. Absolutely, that's key, but I'm paediatrics by background, and so the generation we're working with obviously know how to use an iPad before they know how to walk and talk. So, you know, that there is there an issue about sort of um, making sure that even from a paediatrics point of view, I think the challenge is, as with any industry in any, you know, part of the world, people work in silos for too long, and I'm a big believer in the sort of, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And so what I sort of imply to everybody is you know don't go too far along in your design and your ideas and your concepts without actually really engaging with patients and saying how can this make your life better and then working backwards in terms of applying what are the regulatory implications and what are the governance implications and how do we then address those. Fantastic. Um, Aaron could you tell us a little about a bit about what um, Aparito provides? So we use wearable technologies uh, to monitor patients passively at home. My biggest frustrations working in hospitals was you only get a very snapshot, episodic insight into patients' health when they visit the hospital. What, what does that mean? So, so you just see them for a small portion of their time and it's difficult to understand holistically what their issues are? Absolutely about the holistic thing, but also about the variability. So, you know, some days you can have really good days, some days you can have really bad days. And if you happen to have your hospital visit on a good day, you're not going to be able to sort of really explain to the doctor why today's a good day versus the majority of the days, the bad days. And it's that variations. And I really want to see us move towards personalised medicine and precision medicine. And for that, we need personalised monitoring. So we need to be able to capture the individual variation. So you say that um, Aparito provides wearable devices and disease-specific mobile apps. Now, in English, not too jargony, tell, tell, tell me exactly what that is. What does that look and feel like? So it's about capturing the adverse event, either drug-related or the uh, disease-specific events that are important to you. So if you're a patient that suffers from COPD or something that affects the heart, there's no point asking about tremor. And likewise, if you're suffering from a disease that impacts your neurological manifestations, there's no point asking um, about you know your walking ability up the stairs necessarily. So it's about making sure you ask the right questions. And then the really important thing in today's age is the real world effectiveness of treatment. So your quality of life scores, your patient reported outcomes, how are they specific and relevant to your disease and not just a generic kind of health overview. 
So help, help me understand this, because I'm a simple soul. So, so I've got, I don't know, let, let's say um, I've, I've got real problems walking. You know, I've got some neurological problems, and my brain's telling me to do stuff with my legs, and they're just not quite doing it. Um, I need to be assessed. I need, I need to, you know, for somebody to assess me. I might have a good day. I might have a bad day. Um, but what you're doing with this is you're then enabling healthcare professionals to assess but you're also then enabling them to, to perhaps give the right sort of treatment that is relevant for that person yes we we that's where we're going at the moment when you're being assessed you're only being assessed in the hospital environment in a sterile gate lab um, and it's not a reflection of whether you're actually able to independently go to the shop whether you fall over in a certain space or whether you're too nervous to leave your perimeter of your own house and then when you get that understanding of how you function and introduce new drugs new treatments new interventions for you we can then see how it improves your life at home not just what you do in a gate lab in a controlled environment so it is possible then that you could go back and say i know you've been asking you've been telling this patient they should be doing this that and the other but actually it's having no effect whatsoever we need to try something different absolutely and then it's about making it relevant because we know that because of your genetic profile a drug that would work really well for you would not work uh, well for me or uh, for example so it's about understanding why why it works for some and not for the others so there are potentially some real savings for the NHS and being able to monitor patients in this way? Definitely. So not only are you reducing having to bring patients into hospital for a necessary test and an unnecessary hospital visits if they don't need it, but you're also saving in terms of really finding out which patients which respond to which drugs and why. And uh, do, who do you sell into? Do you sell into the NHS, into healthcare professionals? This isn't a consumer product, is it? No, it's, we're not a consumer product. Unfortunately, with the way the NHS at the moment, um, we find it's a bit difficult to sell to the NHS. So we work very closely with the pharmaceutical companies and the patient groups. And all our studies so far have been funded uh, that way. Um, and I think as we generate more evidence and, and that kind of thing will hopefully become implemented in the NHS too. And um, if I'm a healthcare professional or a pharmaceutical company and I'm very interested in what you do, where can I find out about it? Our website, www.aparito.com. Excellent, excellent. Um, This is how it's going to go, isn't it, Dan? We're going to actually get personalised healthcare. (coughs) I dread to think what your personalised healthcare will be. (laughs) I I don't think I can even comment, Sue. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Um, Thank you, uh, Dr. Ellen Half-Davis. Thank you very much for the... uh, Chat. I'm sitting opposite Lee Garland, who's the co-founder of Studio Zero. And Studio Zero is a really interesting company. It does digital products. It's a digital product studio, actually, and they're based in London. And uh, they've got loads and loads of experience of building web and all that sort of stuff. But, of course, everything's changed now. Everything's changed. And we're talking about virtual reality, augmented reality, and something called mixed reality. So, so um, Lee, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. How on earth did you get into, into this in the first place? Okay, so I've been a web developer for about 20 years. Um, so I've been through the dot-com bubble and bust, um, and I'm looking forward to the virtual reality one. Um, and, um, and so we set up uh, Studio Zero in order that to, to do virtual reality experiences at the end of a URL. So we're very focused on web-based uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. So I'm sitting in front of a computer, okay, and I've got my little Mac here in front of me, uh, my little sort of, you know, normal Mac. Uh, I go onto a website. I don't, I, how, does, how does I suddenly get augmented reality if I'm just sitting in front of my computer? 
Well, the good thing about the web is that is that it responds well to the devices that you're, you're viewing it in. So if you've got um, an augmented reality experience um, with, say, a card, so often you can do what they call glyph-based, where you've got a little card, you can wave it in front of your, um, your, your Mac's uh, uh, video camera, and you'll see some of the augmented items sort of projected onto the card. Um, we're mostly focused on virtual reality right now because uh, you can do it on the phone um, and you can do it with a, the, the sort of Google Cardboard headsets um, really simply, but you can also take that experience all the way up to the sort of the high-end VR kits like the Oculus and the HTC Vive. Okay, so um, I know um, Sue and I were talking earlier. Could you just give, give us a bit of a description between what the difference is between um, AR and VR? Wow, yeah, so... Right now, the way I... Lee, you said this was contentious. You're laughing already. Go on, then. (laughs) Okay, so right now, my feeling is that there are slightly semantic distinctions. So virtual reality is where you're totally immersed inside an experience. It's all computer-generated in the sense that that's all you can see is what the computer says. Augmented reality is where you're using a camera to see the real world, and there are things that are poked into view and it's sort of project, something is projected into that view. Mixed reality is the next stage of that. It's, it's kind of combining the virtual reality, the sense of movement in a space, and the ability to turn around and see something, um, but combining that with, with the augmented reality. So you, it's creating a virtual space inside your real space and then augmenting it <laughs> with items from the virtual world and my feeling is that in the next year or two we're going to see that distinction kind of fall away which is why we're really referring to ourselves as kind of an immersive tech company because VR, AR, MR they're all going to become the same thing. You might switch seamlessly from virtual reality mode into mixed reality mode and I don't think you'll think about it any more than you might think about fades and cuts in a movie um, they're just technical instances and things that you you never actually think about um, the movie analogy is quite a good one actually isn't it because because we all we'll all sit and watch a film and know that there's some cgi going on or there isn't or there is and there's live action and there's a little bit of animation and all that but actually none of that matters does it it's it's whether it it's good and it all fits together is the key and i guess that's what you're saying yeah, absolutely. One of the things that's quite challenging working with the web in terms of virtual reality is if you're working with a game and you're working with a gaming computer, you can get some very, very high-resolution pictures and images and stuff and models working around. Whereas if you're working with the web, to download those assets in, in time for them to be presented can be quite a, a challenging technical thing. So we're looking at the ways that um, the web, the ways that are... Uh, cheaper if you like um, that, that help convey a sense of, b- of being present so it might be animation or it might be the use of sound or colour or light that, so there can be quite abstract images but if you have all these things together then you get a sense of immersion that even if you've got high resolution assets but they don't work properly um, the, you actually feel more part of the scene it's fascinating. Um, so I understand that you've worked with some quite big companies. Can you give us an example of some of the things you've been doing or, or you know? 
yeah, some projects that yeah. will bring it to life for us. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're, we're quite new, I mean, in the sense that we've, um, I've been working for uh, lots of companies for 20 years in this. I've been working, doing lots of agency work. Um, I used to be head of development for Sapient Nitro, which is a big um, agency that does technology and, uh, and creative work. Um, and now we're, we're literally, we began in January. Uh, to do this and we've got a couple of clients already so it's good news for us um, but the mo- mostly we're doing sort of demos uh, and sort of prospective work for clients so we've done some work doing um, a seat map so and it sounds kind of boring but the idea is that um, when you're picking your seat for your flight particularly if you're in one of those slightly more luxury end of the market sort of airlines maybe Singapore Airlines or Qatar or something like that uh, you'll be able to get a, a virtual reality view on um, where your seat is. So, oh, brilliant! I, I just so I hate that. You know, when you're going like to Cape Town, it's, it's 12 hours or something, and and you've got to sleep. And and I'm trying to look at the thing. I'm thinking, is that one really shoved up there? So I've got the bulkhead <laughs> right across my head, and I can't move. And how much legroom's there? Is that near the toilets? So there's going to be loads of people queuing. You know, when I'm trying to drink my coffee, and so <laughs> that's amazing. I want some of that, Lee. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what we built. So we've we've d- done one of those already, and we're we're partnering with an airline technology company to kind of make that more real. Um, we're working with a 360 media company to help them sell their 360 video footage. Um, we've seen some interest from brands who want to do what we call snackable VR. So the idea behind that is that for most people, um, having a high-end virtual reality rig is pretty expensive stuff. Um, you know, it's it's 800, 900 pounds for a headset, plus you need a really good gaming PC. So we're talking about the sort of smaller end of the market, so things like stuff you can see on a, on a mobile phone. And they're great, but you don't want to spend four hours in a mo- with a mobile phone strapped to your face, and apart from anything, the battery will run out. Um, so what we're talking about is the sort of things that you can do in two minutes. So it might be a little application like picking a seat, or it might be a campaign sort of engagement thing for a brand. So you know, you might take a famous beer brand or a travel brand, and travel works really well because you can say, hey, look what it might be like if you were sitting on the beach in, you know, Mexico or something. And, uh, you know, and you put the headset on or you hold up the mobile phone, you can pick three holidays and project yourself into the beach scene and and, and there you go. And then that's... What do you think about that then, Dan? I'd um, love that. I think that's amazing. I think I could probably only afford <laughs> the snackable version. But, but I think that's incredible. That's what a great way of, of, of being able to shop for things like that. You know, you just normally it's just t- talking to the travel agent or flicking, you know, through 2D pictures on the internet. So that's, that's fantastic. We, we could do one where we could, you know, the sorts of different clothes that you could wear, Dan, or shoes. <laughs> You're not very good at shoes. We need, we need a sort of snackable version where we can see what shoes you can buy because everybody in the office feels that you, you, you need a bit of help in that respect. <laughs> Well, that's, this is an interesting way of getting that feedback. <laughs> Lee's just looking under the table at Dan's shoes. <laughs> um, just finally, uh, Lee, um, any predictions for you? You just think this is going to merge and it's be- going to become more portable and more snackable, as you describe it? I think, yeah, for us, the big thing is I think that the web-based VR is going to be the big thing. I think for most, because it, it means that you can do two things that are critical. One is you can share it really easily. So you've got, if you've got customers or clients who, who need to be able to see something, they don't have to download an app, they don't have to have you know, a full rig or a, you know, whatever, they can just use their phone. 
so it's super accessible. And the other thing is that you can update the content when you want to. Whereas if you have to go through an app store process, most of the time you have to like you submit your app, you make a change, they have to review it, then it then it goes in the store, then somebody has to find it, then they have to find the bit they want to look at. Whereas with a web URL, you know, then it's instantly accessible. That's our big thing. That's where everything's going. So that's Lee Garland of Studio Zero. And where can we find out a bit more about Studio Zero? Uh, okay, you can go to studiozero.co. Um, or you can go to web-vr.xyz. I don't think I'd remember the second one, but we certainly <laughs> remember the first one. And thank you very much for joining us, Lee. Lovely to be here. Thanks very much. I'm Sue Nelson, and I'm at the Wearable Technology Show at Excel. And I've got Dan Hawkes, my fellow presenter, in front of me. And I have uh, Harry, our producer. I'm going to describe the scene here. They've got some interesting headsets on, and uh, we're, we're Facebooking it live if anybody wants to, to have a look at that. And we'll probably put it on our Twitter feed. So they've got some very high-tech sort of headband. Not a headband, actually. Sort of um, metal. There's some blue flashing going on, which I presume is a Bluetooth thing. Now, you won't believe this. In front of them, there's a Scalectrics set uh, with two cars. And both Harry and Dan are now going to play each other at Scalectrics um, using their brainwaves through the headset to see who can win. I think that's it. I'm going to ask um, the people who invented this in a minute how it works. So, so um, Harry and Dan, go for it. Do your best thing. Use your brain to power your cars. Go. 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 I don't know how. Go on. You should. Right, Dan is pushing his along, so obviously his brain isn't working at all. Oh, here we go. So you can see the normal thing with Scalectrics is they're going around, but actually there's no, no handsets, there's no nothing. They're trying to power it by their, by their brains. So, um, so tell me, please tell me, how does this work? Is, your, is, is it your company? Do you found it? It is, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't found the company, no. But, uh, so we're a Japanese company, and we've got a lot of experience in the medical field. Um, what this is showing here is uh, just a kind of a gimmicky way of showing near-infrared spectroscopy. So this oh is my goodness, right, say that yeah. slowly. Say, say it slowly because I, I need to be able to spell it in my head. So that's near-infrared spectroscopy. And this is, can be used in intensive care units, for example, where you're monitoring uh, patients' brain oxygenation. So this is just a nice way of showing this uh, to the people, to the public, to, to help them to understand how it works. So you mentioned the headsets. So inside the headset, it's just a simple LED and a photodiode. And the LED is projected into the skin on the brain, oh, sorry, on the head. And then the photodiode picks up the return signal. And all you're doing, or all it's doing, is actually measuring how much oxygen is in the blood. So if you think of your brain as a muscle, the harder you think, the brain takes up more oxygen. And then the headband basically measures that increase in oxygen. And so the harder you think, the car will start moving. The harder you think. Okay, so, so what he's saying here, boys, is the harder you think, the faster the car will go. Now, I actually don't know what that means. Now, so think hard. What does that mean, thinking hard? Uh, whenever, What's going on, you know, physically? Whenever I do this, I try to do my times tables backwards. So basically, you're just using your brain. Because the brain genuinely is like a muscle. And so to think complex thoughts, it needs more oxygen. You need to keep it alive. Um, so times tables backwards makes the car go if you just daydream think about what you had for lunch then basically the car will stop because the o2 level in the blood has gone down so you're not so what you're not doing then is is staring at it and saying move forward turn left you know that's not what you're doing that the, the way it's working then is that the, the, the more you're thinking hard no matter what it's about that the faster your car will go 
absolutely yeah so it's not it's not telepathy even though that's what we kind of pitch it out to, <laughs> to get people to come and try but it's yeah it's, it's, it's a genuine scientific measurement um, how much do you have a product that which we're selling already which is going into intensive care uh, uh, units all across the world but this is a nice way of showing the technology um, it's the same as the pulse oximeters which you wear on your finger in hospital and a lot of smartphones will now have a, um, a pulse oximeter actually in the back of the phone or on the smartwatch as well so they're all using the same concept uh, and it's an optical, me- uh, an optical method uh, of measuring the blood oxygenation and, and on your stand here you talk a lot about photon and you say um, photon is our business oh, again what, what's, a, what's a photon what does that mean what's the so the photon is essentially the particle of light so photons are pouring out of the sun and illuminating our world and so Hamamatsu's business is making detectors sensors image sensors cameras all collecting this light um, and so photon is our business that's uh, I know it's not grammatically very good but this was done many many years ago and it's kind of stuck now so it's our kind of little trademark um, so we, we're making and, and essentially what you're saying is your business is built on, on, on this sort of LED and, and yep. light sensitivity yep. and you're finding ways of capturing that and transferring that and telling you about the world so that you can use it um, particularly in health I mean you can see how useful that is yeah absolutely so I mean the, the, the business is founded on basically light as everything we do is to do with light either be that collecting light or emitting light like you say in LEDs or lasers and in terms of our serious business then medical is one of the biggest areas uh, with key applications we PET, CT, um, point of care medical, blood testing, things like this. So there's lots of serious applications. Uh, but obviously today, a show like this, where it's all about kind of consumer uh, products, then it's nice to show something which is a bit more fun. Well, I think I can conclusively say, who's the winner between you guys, uh, between Harry and Dan? You know, I'm quite, you know, uh, modest about these sort of things, but I think it was me. I think it was you. Um, and and do you, have you sussed out how you make these go fast? Because I've got the inside track. Did you get that little pun there? I've got the inside track on this. I've looked under the table to see if there's anyone hiding underneath there. And I think it just is juju magic. It's not juju magic. Harry, any clues? Um, no, just I think you need to think a little bit more than I do. I think Dan's clearly got more going on in his brain than I have. <laughs> well, apparently you, d- you don't have to sit there and urge it to go forward. That's where you're going wrong, guys. What you have to do is just think something really difficult. You know, try and recall the World Cup 1966 team backwards or, you know, something really hard um, and, and it'll just do it. So you don't actually even have to look at the car. You have to make your brain work very hard. So we're going to have one more go. So think of something really difficult, Harry. Just something really difficult. And all of a sudden it works look there you go i'm imagining i'm a a racing driver so it seems to be going well at the moment but oh i've stopped so (laughs) you distracted me (laughs) well that's brilliant thank you so much for joining us and if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about 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 what this company does and whatever the the company name is hammer matsu um very very interesting stuff thank you for joining us thank you well that was fascinating wasn't it christy it certainly was yep um, so we're still in the studio with Richard, and we're joined by Harry. Hello. Um, and that that was quite bizarre controlling that scale electric. It was very bizarre. Yeah. It, it, I think we both had a bit of a headache afterwards as well. I think. It, yeah, you know, we had I was thinking really hard to make it go around. So how you managed, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just just monkeys <laughs> banging drums in my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all that goes on in there. <laughs> That's fantastic. So um, also while we were um, uh, while some of those pre records were on, we were also trying on um, Richard's Opto Air headset. And it was quite brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, How it did was you? Because that was your first go. My on first ahead. ever go on VR, yeah, yeah which oh. is probably not good for the tech tool show. I probably should have done it a long, <laughs> long time ago. But no, um, very strange. I was zapping some aliens. Um, 
with my mind. <laughs> with um, but yeah, no, very, very. Did strange. you expect it to be like that, Harry? As that was your first, first. Do you know, day? it's one of those things where you've never done it before. It's impossible to have any sort of preconceptions as to what it feels like. But um, I think it's just the moment when you take off the headset as well, and you're like, oh, back in the room. That that was yeah. the weirdest part of it because I guess it is almost like being so engrossed in sort of a video game. But then, obviously, stepping away from that straight away, that was the bit of a, oh, dear. <laughs> what was also quite interesting about it is, is, um, um, is that swapping between sort of the, 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 um, the videos or the applications was quite easy because you could just pop off the front, still access your phone in, in, in the normal way, where a lot of the headsets, they're sort of embedded in the hardware, aren't they? So, yeah, that's really good. Really very good. Have you got any um, social media there? Yeah, so I've been having a look at some stuff that's been uh, making waves in social media. Has anyone in here ever sort of worked in a restaurant as their first job as a teenager or anything like that at all? Yeah, I was a rubbish waitress. Where waitress, I was a waiter. Dan, what was your first job? Uh, just retail for me, oh. thank you. Did, did glass collecting in a nightclub. Oh, okay, oh, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, So obviously a lot of people have done, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, but those days could be over. Uh, there's a company in America, I think it is, they've developed a robot called Flippy, which is designed just to flip burgers off a griddle. <laughs> so it's saying it could be the end of teen employment. Mm. So, um, you know, a lot of people getting quite concerned about that one, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I could just, I could just <laughs> imagine go, going into... How a, many people? <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine going that? into McDonald's and just being served by a robot. You don't... I mean, you know, it's basically like being served like a robot in there anyway, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have said that seems a bit harsh <laughs> it just it just flips burgers right it doesn't it's, do it's, any other it, transactions it looks like a robot and he flips it with his flipper hand well, there's a bit more to it than just that isn't there <laughs> so there will still be some jobs I'm not going to worry but, too much but not the burger flipping no no sad times <laughs> I saw no. I saw an article, and I, I wish I could remember now what they were. But I, it had the top um, six jobs that are most likely to be replaced by a robot. I don't remember all of them, but um, I was quite surprised because doctor was in there. Really? Um, and I think sales, uh, sales, assist, you know, salesperson was in mm. there. Uh, but jobs that I wasn't expecting, you know. Um, so it wasn't sort of necessarily uh, manufacturing jobs or things like that. It was. Mm. Radio presenter wasn't in there, though. And, no, and nor was product designer. So, uh, so we are we're, we're safe for a while. <laughs> and there'll be more people to listen to us and buy our products. Because that's, that's they won't have jobs. <laughs> well, you know. Cheery thought. <laughs> Sorry to bring the tone down. <laughs> well, um, brilliant. Well, thanks for, um, thanks for joining us, Richard, and bringing in the OptoAir. That's, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in and listening to us. And don't forget that you can get in touch with us on um, Twitter at Tech Talk to Show Your UK and have a look at the website um, techtalkshow.co.uk well thank you very much Christy and Harry and Richard thank you for thank having you. me yeah, Dan and um, yeah we'll sp- see you all next week